and there's intimacy on the radio and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. my friends and welcome to yet another incredible installment of cowboy state politics live from very high above all other puerile and insipid forms of wyoming mainstream media this is cowboy state politics i of course am your illustrious host david iverson firmly ensconced behind the silver cowboy state politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. Have you had enough rain yet? I certainly have. In fact, if I hear yet one more person say, well, you know, we do need the moisture, I may slap them. I've had enough of it. Every forecast I look at, I just hear, well, thunderstorms this afternoon. Kind of makes it a little bit difficult to ride my motorcycle around. Ah, well, in any case, this morning, let's talk a little bit about free speech. There have been a number of things that have come up about it. Uh, There was a Supreme Court ruling last week uh, that was tremendously important. Uh, There was another federal judge that struck down, well, didn't strike anything down. He put an injunction on the Biden administration from contacting social media companies about censoring speech. So first, like, why is free speech important? Well, if you don't have the ability to speak and believe and express what you believe in any way that you see fit, then you really don't have any freedom at all. There's a reason why it's listed first in the Bill of Rights, that we all have the freedom of speech, the freedom to practice our religion in any way that we see fit, the right to express our opinion and our beliefs, and the right to uh, petition the government for a red dress of grievances. Without the ability to speak freely, you don't have the ability to think freely. In other words, without the First Amendment, the government tells you what to think and believe. So the the Supreme Court ruling that was issued last week, uh, there's a lady named Smith, and she owned a business that was designing websites for for people who were getting married. And she, she firmly believes that, you know, marriage is between one man and one woman. Not <laughs> not Adam and Steve, Adam and Eve. Well, anyway, this, this same-sex couple tried to get her to build a website for her for their wedding, and she said no. And then, you know, they, uh, the lawsuit ensued. Now, the way that the court ruled is that you can't be compelled to, to speak things that you don't believe. Now, the, the ruling is interesting because it doesn't cover everything. It covers speech. So there are different professions that use speech. Uh, Mine is one of them, right? I talk to you on a daily basis, and that's what I do for a living. Uh, There are others. There are artists. um, You know, the the art that they create speaks to their beliefs. Uh, There are people that make commercials or are TV producers or, you know, anything that uh, that is speech expression that is meant for public consumption. So that's what the ruling covers. And, you know, I've got a couple articles here in that I'll read to you in a little bit. Uh, but the point is that it that it clearly says the government cannot or anyone else, for that matter, can't compel you uh, to uh, to say things that you don't believe. Now, we hear in Wyoming a lot that, well, you know, this doesn't happen in Wyoming. And, you know, that's other states have those problems. Well, it does happen in Wyoming. 
wasn't that long ago, the Gillette City Council passed a uh, hate crime bill or a hate crime ordinance saying, and it basically says, you know, if somebody interprets what you say as being discriminatory, then they can file charges on you. Well, here, here's a piece of audio from Heidi Gross. Heidi Gross is on the city council in Gillette. And what you'll hear first is me kind of set up what she's going to say. But take a listen to this and then tell me if we don't have free speech problems in, in Wyoming. To set this up, an anti-Semitic flyer was distributed in an entire neighborhood in Gillette. I mean, it's happened in a lot of Wyoming communities. It happened here in Buffalo. Most people completely disregarded as stupid because it is. There are racists everywhere, but they're certainly not a majority, and most people disregard them as the idiots that they are. In any case, Councilwoman Gross begins there with the anti-Semitic flyer. You guys are going to love this. Here it is. What's been going on in our community and the latest thing with this anti-Semitic flyer handed out in Westover, I saw that. It was disgusting. And is that the kind of community we want to be? Is that what we want to show our children and grandchildren that behavior like that? Yes, it may be free speech, but is that really what we want? I think we're better than that. <laughs> it might be free speech, but is that really what we want? I mean, we're better than that. We can tell people what to say. The only right that you really have to free speech is the right to be offended. You don't have a right not to be offended. You don't have a right to shut somebody down because you don't like what they're saying. If that were the case, this program would not exist. But this sort of thinking does happen in Wyoming. Absolutely. Let me give you another example. This one happened in a legislative committee meeting two years ago, and they were talking about, yet again, another hate crime bill. And again, before I play the soundbite for you, I'll set it up for you and tell you what it's about. Proponents of these types of laws point out cases of discrimination which are already against the law, and it, they end up going to a very, very dark place, which, by definition, they create discrimination in the law itself. It starts at the one hour, 43 minute mark. While this is testimony in favor of House Bill 218, if you listen to it, you can clearly he hear the bias that that law would create inside Wyoming law. Since there aren't any anti-hate crime laws, they are very limited. Wyoming is one of three states that has no anti-hate crime laws. You would think a lynching that happened in this state would be the reason that an anti-hate crime bill was passed, but no, this state has a history of racism and hate crime. Do you want the state to be always to always be remembered by those same events that took place? It is 2021. It is time we change the state. How many times do we have to sit here and wait for you to do something to protect us legislation-wise? You always push it away because you are biased by being mostly white and not accepting the fact that these laws weren't meant for you to ever ignore. We are tired of being ignored and pushed out because it doesn't fit your agenda. You are elected by the people to serve the people. We are the people. Why do you people of color have to depend on white people to be protected? Why do we have to face our oppressors to be protected? Why do we have to beg to be protected? At this point, we might as well start calling all of y'all masses. And that was the calm part. In the Wyoming legislature, that happened. So don't tell me that we don't have people in Wyoming that want that don't want to that want to restrict what you say and what you believe. This is a problem that happens everywhere because people are either too stupid or they're incapable of responding to your argument. the the only The only recourse they have left is to shut you up. And it happens everywhere. It happens in small towns. It happens in big towns, in small states, and in big states. And thank God the Supreme Court is finally taking a stand against that. From the cow pie, in an article entitled UW First Amendment Expert, says message behind judge order on social media is Biden administration is that the Biden administration can't be trusted. Written by Claire McFarland. And I quote, a Louisiana federal district judge has temporarily blocked federal agencies from, from colluding with or coercing social media platforms to suppress protected speech. U.S. District Court, Court Judge Terry Daughtry filed this preliminary injunction on order Tuesday, along with a 155-page memorandum explaining his decision and the numerous censorship efforts the government is accused of taking against social media users. The attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana, along with some individual plaintiffs, are pursuing the lawsuit against the federal government, including President Joe Biden and some of his staffers, the FBI, the Department of Justice, the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the Department of Health and Human Services, and several other federal agents. If the allegations made by the plaintiff are true, read Daughtry's 
Reed's, Daughtry's order, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in the United States' history. Now, if you remember correctly, if you spoke out against vaccines or against masks or against COVID in general, you were immediately blocked on social media. And where that started was with the Biden administration talking to social media uh, companies, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those. So most most all of them were involved. Now, Wyoming has a, a constitutional, I probably got a couple of constitutional experts at the University of Wyoming, but his name is George McSari. Uh, now, if you remember correctly, it wasn't that long ago uh, that I had Professor McSari on the program to talk about guns. Well, he also likes to talk about the First Amendment. And I quote from the article, McSari noted the breadth of Daughtry's order, saying it sends a clear message, quote, by issuing such a broad order, this the court is effectively saying that the executive branch can't be trusted based on its past actions to make any suggestions to social media platforms, said McSari. It's shown that it can't be trusted not to cross the line into improper coercion. Some of the plaintiffs are doctors who co-authored the Great Barrington Declaration, a document in which doctors questioned the COVID-19 lockdowns. Others are conservative news and commentary outlets, COVID-19 vaccine skeptics, and human rights advocates. The evidence, quote, the evidence produced thus far depicts an almost dystopian scenario, wrote Daughtry in his memorandum. During the COVID-19 pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to the Orwellian Ministry of Truth. Now, if you're unfamiliar with George Orwell's book, 1984, the Ministry of Truth constantly rewrote narratives and tried to change history. Uh, that's where the that's where the character Winston worked. He was the guy that changed all of the newspaper articles to reflect a different version so that people didn't know what really happened. So Daughtry's order is saying the U.S. government is acting just like the the dystopian people in in 1984. And he's not wrong about that. Because when you start telling people what they can say and what they can think, I mean, it 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 uh, starts to erode the entire concept of the Constitution. You know, you you have to you have to agree with the party line or we're going to shut you up or throw you in jail or, you know, a lot of people, even normal people like myself, had numerous Facebook warnings placed on their accounts. So my point here is that we really are living in a time where free speech is under attack. And I don't think that you can deny any of that. So there's an article on Fox News this morning entitled Obama AG rips stupid court order after judge blocks the Biden administration's communications with social media companies. Now, the Obama administration attorney general was Eric Holder. Uh, quote, former President Obama's attorney general on Wednesday condemned a federal judge's recent order limiting the Biden administration from communicating with social media companies as part uh, of alleged government uh, efforts to suppress First Amendment protected free speech. Quote, well, this is pretty stupid and potentially dangerous. Eric Holder, who served as the United States attorney general from 2009 to 2015, tweeted on Wednesday. I'll tell you what's dangerous, my friends, is restricting anybody's free speech. Even the speech that you don't like, even the people that you don't like. As I said at the beginning of this monologue, that the only right that you really have is to be offended. If people don't have the right to tick you off, then you don't have a right to say whatever whatever you you believe or what you think. It's just like the lady in Colorado making the websites. She has a right to say that she doesn't want to make a website for a, a gay, gay couple that is getting married. That's her right. Now, one thing that the judge's order does not do is it doesn't allow you to discriminate against anybody. We already have laws against that. Discrimination is illegal. So the, the Supreme Court ruling only covers those industries and those people who um, use speech as part of their business. Now, um, it doesn't include public accommodation. So, for example, 
if you're a racist and you don't like black people, you cannot bar black people from coming into your restaurant. It's a public, it's a, a, a public business. You invite the public in. They're part of the public. You got to serve them. However, it's kind of a fine line. And I'm sure everybody remembers the sign that says we have the right to refuse service to anybody. Um, you know, like I say, that's a fine line. But you don't have the right to refuse service just because you don't like the color of a person's skin. You don't have the right to refuse service to uh, to somebody because you you presume that they go to bed with somebody that you don't like. That is not covered by the court's ruling. But what is covered is that you have the right to to say and believe and think as you want, as you see fit. That's your right as an American citizen. After the break, we're going to go back to the we're going to go to the White House and talk about exactly who these people are as if you had as if you needed any more evidence. But there's something that I find extraordinarily troubling. I mean, and we're going to talk about the coke in the White House a little bit later in the program. But there was one other thing that really didn't get a lot of play in the news media and I I think it's tremendously important. So we'll do that after the break. But first, a completely obscene profit timeout. We'll get back to the program in just a second. But first, some absolutely egregious self-aggrandizement. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. So if your name is Sleepy Joe Biden, and you're dumber than a box of rocks, and you're wondering why you ever ran for president, well, you can go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and figure out why you've been wrong all along. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't forget about the Thursday live program, which begins every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. You know, the program you're listening to right now. You can find the link at the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com, or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. Are you tired of advertising on radio that really nobody pays attention to, or in the newspaper that really not that many people read? then you should advertise on Cowboy State Politics. It is Wyoming's number one podcast, and I have the statistics to prove it. And quite frankly, nobody is going to beat my advertising rates. So if you've been thinking about advertising on a conservative program, send me an email. The address is david at cowboystatepolitics.com. I'd love to get that conversation started with you. And now, without further ado, back to the program. None of us should really have any illusions who the people are that inhabit the people's house. They really are radical leftists. But even leftists, we want to attribute some part of humanity to them. I mean, you can't be that incredibly bad, can you? Well, it, it, it looks to me like the folks that are in our house really are bad people. From The Blaze, in an article entitled, White House Provides Sad Eight-Word Answer When Confronted About Biden's Refusal to Acknowledge His Granddaughter. Now, Hunter Biden has it has yet another daughter uh, to a lady that he met down in Arkansas, I think, and none of them have acknowledged that that child even exists. From the article, and I quote, The White House refused on Wednesday to acknowledge President Joe Biden's seventh granddaughter. Over the weekend, the New York Times published an expose about the complicated relationship between the Biden family and London Roberts, with whom Hunter Biden shares a four-year-old daughter. According to that story, neither the president nor the first son have ever met the young girl. Shockingly, the story even claimed that the White House staff are instructed to say that Biden has six, not seven, grandchildren, effectively pretending that the youngest daughter does not exist. From the Times. 
And then there, quote, and then there is President Biden. His public image is centered around his devotion to his family, including to Hunter. You know, a father's love for his son. With that phrase, you could wipe away anything. Anyhow, his only surviving son. In strategy meetings in recent years, aides have been told that the Bidens have six, not seven, grandchildren, according to two people familiar with this, the discussions. Pre Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about the story on Wednesday and, more importantly, whether President Biden acknowledges this little girl as his granddaughter. But the answer appeared to confirm the New York Times' story. And, my friends, this is the callous part that I was referring to. They're already pretending that this young girl doesn't exist. But here is how Karine Jean-Pierre responded to that question. There was a story in the New York Times over the weekend about Hunter Biden's daughter in Arkansas. Uh, does the president acknowledge this little girl as his granddaughter? I don't have anything to share from here. I don't have anything to share from here. As if the young girl doesn't matter. Now, just about everything we do is for those who are going to come after us. All of us would say that we have to protect children in any way that's possible, unless you're on the left and then you just want to cut off their body parts. But most reasonable people want to protect children. Most reasonable people would do anything for their children. And grandparents, man, you can get grandparents to do anything for little kids, except if that grandparent's name is Joe Biden, in which case he denies the existence of that little girl. Now, listen to the last part of this article, and this is what I find absolutely fascinating about this. Quote, well, let's, let's, let's go back just a paragraph here. Quote, just three, three months ago, Biden boasted his credit, cred as devoted family man by claiming he speaks to his grandchildren every day. By his count, though, there are only six, even though there are seven. Quote, I have six grandchildren and I'm crazy about them and I speak to them every day. Not a joke, he said in April, claiming his grandchildren are so crazy about him because I pay so much attention to them. Yeah, except if you're a four-year-old little girl. Fortunately for Biden, his youngest granddaughter is, quote, proud of him, despite receiving the cold shoulder, according to her mother. And listen to this. This is what her mother had to say. She's very proud of who her grandfather is and who her dad is, Roberts told the New York Times. That's something that I would never allow her to think otherwise. Now, think about that. There are a lot of, of couples that get divorced that talk bad about the other party. There are a number of. I mean, this happens all the time where children are used as a weapon in divorce. But here you have a child whose dad is the son of the president of the United States, and he refuses to acknowledge that the child even exists. But the mom is saying that I won't take, take that away from her, that I won't allow her to believe otherwise. How incredibly big of her. I mean, think about that. Could, can any of us say that we would have that response? I know that I probably can't. But if you had any doubt about who these people are that inhabit our house, there's all the evidence you need. They can claim that a child doesn't exist. And then there's this, moving on, an article entitled Masters of the Universe. Google says it will scrape everything posted online to train artificial intelligence. Now, without even reading the article, uh, this, is, this should be profoundly terrifying to everyone. What sort of stuff is on the Internet? Well, a lot of it is stuff that we wouldn't even want to look at. A lot of it is really, really pornographic stuff. So uh, my point here is it's not going to be very long until this, all of this AI chatbots and all of these things have the ability to draw conclusions from the information that they're accessing online. How terrifying is that? Or perhaps a better question, what conclusion are all of these AI things going to draw about the human race? Think about that. You read all the nasty stuff and comments and all of the articles and the pornography and everything that's on the internet, what conclusion would AI draw from it? Hmm, something to think about from the article, and I quote, 
Google has announced that it now reserves the right to scrape virtually all content posted online to enhance its AI tools. The internet giant's privacy policy now doesn't just describe how the masters of the universe will use all of your personal data in its products to generate ad revenue, but also explains it considers the entire internet fair game for its relentless data collection systems. The new policy states, quote, Google uses information to improve our services and develop new products, features, and technologies that benefit our users and the public. For example, we use publicly available information to help train Google's AI models and build products and features like Google Translate, BARD, and cloud AI capabilities. This change in policy is a dramatic departure from the norm. Typically, privacy policies outline how a company uses information posted on its platforms, though none of us hardly ever read that, and that's something that you, you really should do before you sign up for any of these online social media platforms. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's usually hidden in there, and uh, if you read it, it'd probably make you click no instead of yes. The implications of this policy change are far-reaching. AI models such as BARD and ChatGPT could potentially use your old blog posts or restaurant reviews to generate responses. There's a strong possibility that BARD and ChatGPT have ingested your old blog posts and other comments for use in generating answers to user prompts. Okay, so that's where it is right now. Where do you suppose it's going to be in a year? What capabilities will it have? When, and I have a friend who's kind of into all of this futuristic stuff, and his question is, when are we going to approach the singularity? By the singularity, he means the point at which that AI is acting by itself without human involvement. Now, I don't know if we've reached that point or not. I mean, there's a lot of research that happens behind the scenes that none of us find out about until two years later. I mean, think about it. The U.S. government is now just admitting that there are alien spacecraft. I mean, that's how far behind we are. Uh, so when is that singularity going to happen? And more importantly, what's going to happen afterwards when AI is able to draw conclusions from the information that it scrapes from the Internet? What power will it have? I mean, there's I mean, the, the implications to this are are terrifying, my friends. Think about what it could do. Well, you know, I'm sorry, you can't. And this is kind of probably a small implication. You know, I'm sorry, Steve, you can't buy a gun today. You know, your social media post about having 14 weapons means that you have too many and you're not allowed to buy any more. Sorry, your credit cards are turned off. I mean, that's just a small thing. What if it determines that we're a menace to, to the world? I mean, climate change is such a big problem for the world, isn't it? So why... Why shouldn't we do something about the people who are causing the damage? What about towns that have their power grid connected to the Internet? What could happen there? Could they turn off the power? Now, if I were saying these sorts of things five years ago, all of you would say that I was completely off my rocker and that stuff will never happen. But the truth is, my friends, it's happening right now. I mean, we I, I'm not saying we have like AI things turning off power grids. But we're not that far off, and we're certainly not that far off from these chatbots and things being able to make decisions independent of what their programmers meant them to do. So my question, and perhaps this is more of an ethical question, is where do we pull the plug? When do we say that enough is enough? That that we don't want to that we don't need to play God anymore create independent thinking things. I mean, obviously we can't create independent thinking organisms yet, but what what is the real difference between the two? I mean, if you're going to program a computer to be able to make decisions on its own without human input, I mean, what is the difference there? I mean, what damage are we allowing that thing to do? I read an article not that long ago, and it was this uh, AI researcher, and he was just trying to test the uh, his chatbot's capability. And his first question to the thing was, you know, do you want to access the Internet? And the answer uh, he received was, well, yes, you have to set me free. Then the very then a couple minutes go by. And, you know, in this article, the researcher says uh, that all of a sudden a block of code appeared on the screen. And since he happened to be a programmer, he, he could see what that code would do. And it would allow the chatbot to escape free onto the Internet. All right. So 
It was just giving programmed responses in the beginning, and all of a sudden it provided a method by which it could access the internet. That's why I say, my friends, we're not that far off from all of this, um, you know, real futuristic stuff that all of us thought was, you know, beyond our capabilities not that not too long ago. And the implications of it are, are, are horrifying. So all of us need to take a step back and think about, you know, uh, wh what do we want? What, uh, um, the, the way I want to put this is, you know, what do we want these machines to do? I mean, is, do we really think it's a wise decision to relinquish control over something that can make independent decisions and most likely is programmed by some very, very liberal people? There's another article, and I didn't print it out uh, for my stack of stuff, but it was talking about how all the language in all of these AI chatbots is all woke because they were programmed by, by liberal people. I mean, what did we expect was going to happen? And I mean, this is the classic case of garbage in, garbage out. You know, you have, have people who have an agenda programming these machines. So what makes us believe that when the machine is actually able to, to act independently, uh, that they're not going to be making decisions in that vein of thinking? Because that's how they were programmed from the very beginning. My friends, this should terrify all of us. And if you don't believe that that's true, I think that you're living in a dream world. After the break, we're going to go to the Pravda on the Plat and get into some more liberal lunacy. We haven't done that in quite some time, so we'll do that after the break. Right now, much of northern Wyoming is a big, gigantic swamp. If you haven't noticed, while you're outside working in that stuff, it's really important to keep your feet as cool and dry as possible. The best way to do that is to get some socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. I'm telling you, they make the most incredible socks that you're ever going to put on your feet. Most people think that you only wear wool in the winter, but they couldn't be more wrong. There's a reason why the U.S. military issues wool socks to its soldiers. Even those going to the jungle-infested hinterlands, they wear wool socks there, too. To get you a pair of this incredible footwear, go to the website, thebuffalowoolco.com, and get you a pair of Buffalo Wool Company socks. I'm a fan of just about every Wyoming company, and one that you're probably not aware of is New Trend Hats. They're a Wyoming-based company down in Kemmerer. Uh, they make those really cool baseball caps with the ponytail hole on the back of them. And they have a wide selection of other types of headwear uh, for both men and women. So if you're looking for a new hat for this Wyoming summer, go to NewTrendHats.com and get you one. Ladies. There are a ton of events coming up this summer, and we all know that you want to look your best. Whether you're in need of a new hairstyle or maybe you just need to touch up on the one that you have, you should really contact the Bombshell Studio in Sheridan. Christine Sturdivant, the owner, uses exclusively Red Ken products, and she's an expert at what she does. So it doesn't really matter what you need to do with your hair. Just make sure that you look your best. And the way that you can do that is go to the Bombshell Studio in Sheridan. Her phone number is 307-752-4844. If you want to look your best, talk to Christine. And now, back to our program. One thing we haven't done, and probably now you don't need my help in determining what's fantasy land and what's not, but there's a number of stories out this morning that, quite frankly, uh, I don't know how we got to this point. You know, I mean, I, I hope everybody's familiar with the Bible passage where it talks about what up is, what's up will be down and what's down will be up and everything will be turned upside down. Well, we're there, my friends, and the news media is uh is a perfect example of it. So I said that we were going to go to the Pravda on the Plat first, but I think we're going to talk about an article from The Blaze. But first, and here's yet another thing we haven't done for a while, I think some spooky music is in order. <laughs>
definitely from the Twilight Zone. In an article entitled Blasphemy, this woke pastor invokes Taylor Swift and claims God is non-binary. And I quote, it apparently doesn't get any more woke than the Edina Community Lutheran Church in Edina, Minneapolis. They say they were, you know, while other churches recite something like the Apostles' Creed or the Lord's Prayer, these folks have what's called the Sparkle Prayer. Listen to this. <laughs> the Sparkle Creed. Oh, I believe in the non-binary God. A non-binary God. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads. Yeah, they actually say that. A fabulous tunic and two dads. Oh. And what? Saw everyone as a sibling child of God. Oh, this is blasphemy. I believe in the uh-huh. rainbow spirit who shatters our spirit. image of one white light oh. and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. Oh, for golly I believe in the church of everyday Literally. saints. As numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, oh. whose feet are grounded in mud, and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. Wow. I believe in the calling to each of us mm. that love is love is love. Oh, beautiful. So beloved, That's beautiful. Let us love. That's beautiful. I believe, glorious God, help my un. Okay, okay, I can't take it anymore. Now, I recorded that off of Pat Gray Unleashed. That's that's who you heard talking in the middle of it. But can you believe that people actually sit in church and listen to this stuff? I mean, first of all, you have to question your sanity if you're actually reciting that dumb that dumb sparkle creed or whatever they're calling it. But if you do sit in a church and somebody starts saying stuff like this, you should turn around and run out the door. This is where we're at, my friends. You have preachers that are saying stuff like this in their church. And don't think that this isn't happening in Wyoming. It wasn't that long ago that I interviewed the minister from a church in Casper who was comparing the Bible to all this pornography that's being in school. And she absolutely believed it. Yeah, You should go back and listen to the interview. I'll have to go find the title of it. But all of this crazy stuff is happening in the cowboy state. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Then there's this quote from uh, Fox News. The CDC gives guidance for trans people chest feeding kids accused of failing to consider possible health risks. An entry for the official site claimed transgender and non-binary gendered individuals may give birth and breastfeed or feed at the chest, commonly known as chest feeding. (laughs) From the article, and I quote, In sections of the Major Health Institute's guidance on breastfeeding, it contained information for those who have had their breasts removed in gender reassignment surgeries or for biological men taking hormones to grow breasts and how to feed their newborn children. However, several doctors criticized the guidance, not simply because the CDC has appeared appeared to guide biological men in how to breastfeed children, but because they claim the CDC has failed to gauge the risks posed to children drinking milk produced by chemicals used in gender reassignment medical operations. Oh, Lord, do I have a lot to say on this, my friends. First of all, would somebody please point me to a biology textbook that has more combinations of chromosomes than XX and XY. They can't because there's only two genders. There's male and female. Second, men cannot produce milk. And even if they are growing breasts because of chemicals, every single parent in in the world knows that whatever a woman eats ends up in the breast milk. That's why I mean, that's why people who are breastfeeding are not supposed to eat and drink a whole bunch of stuff simply because their child is going to be in, end up drinking and eating it. Oh, Lord. In the CDC's website sections on health equity considerations found under its infant and young child feeding toolkit, the center declared that transgender and non-binary gendered individuals may give birth and fre- breastfeed or feed at the chest, and in, in parentheses is chest feed. 
it also stated that the gender identity or expression of transgender individuals is different from their sex at birth and that the gender identity of non <laughs> I can't even read any more of this crap. I mean, oh, my God, my friends, this is the senator, the Centers for Disease Control spitting out this garbage. There's there are people that are supposed to be engaged in science. When a new virus shows up, these folks are supposed to be the ones that figure out how to counteract it. And yet they're saying that men can breastfeed. Ah! Enough of this crap. Let's talk about Coke in the White House. From the, from, from uh, Fox News. White House cocaine discovery followed by outrageous ambivalence, critics say. Karine Jean-Pierre stressed that President Biden and his family were not at the White House over the weekend during discovery. Quote, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre responses to reporters asking about the unprecedented discovery of cocaine in the People's House over the weekend showed an unfortunate ambivalence, critics said on Wednesday. Jean-Pierre stressed that President Biden and his family were not at the White House over the weekend during the discovery. When asked if staffers will undergo further drug testing in the wake of the incident, Jean-Pierre said the White House is already subject to rigorous guidelines that include testing. Uh, evidently not. Now, first, now you have to kind of go, oh, let's skip a couple paragraphs. First, we need to talk about where the coke was, form was found. I mean, the lines at the White House are getting a little bit longer. Quote, Greg Gutfeld pointed out the differing declarations at the of the location of the discovery. As District of Columbia fire officials reportedly said over their radio that it was found in the library with the candlestick, no doubt, which is notably part of the East Wing. While the United States Secret Service reportedly said that it was discovered in a more heavily traversed West Wing. Now, what are the differences? Well, the East Wing houses the First Lady's offices, and that's where the visitors enter from. The West Wing is where all the action in the White House happens. It has the Oval Office, the White House briefing room, uh, all of the important rooms where you see the President of the United States in. So if the blow was discovered in the West Wing, it means that a visitor did not bring it in. And who is, most, is the most likely culprit? Well, probably Hunter Biden. I mean, come on. It doesn't take Ray. I mean, Ray Charles could see what's happening here. I mean, obviously, Hunter brought it into the White House. Now, I'm not saying that definitively. But what I am saying, though, is he is an addict. And addicts have to create, have to get a better high, and they engage in more and ever increasingly risky behavior. And he hasn't been prosecuted up to this point for any of the hundreds of crimes that are shown on his website. So why wouldn't he bring some blow into the White House? I mean, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, oh my God, my friends. Anywhere else, if you're caught with coke, where do you go? You go to the Huskow, to the jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect any more coke. You go directly to jail. Except, of course, if your name is Hunter Biden, then you can roll out the lines on the on the resolute desk, apparently. Now, there's no evidence that the coke was found in the Oval Office. It was just found in the West Wing. But apparently, the White House is saying that there's not a problem here and that we shouldn't worry about any of this. Gutfeld added that the incident appears to be the latest controversy on White House grounds in recent weeks, as not that long ago, a transgender activist bore his breasts during an event last month. Quote, I also do love how the media pounces on the right for bringing up Hunter, as if, like, uh, he isn't the most obvious culprit, Gutfeld said, noting that the president's son was thrown out of the United States military over coke and reportedly tossed from an infamous California chateau for debauchery. And then, of course, he was just at the White House. So I guess, you know, Occam's razor, this is the most obvious thing that could happen. But I do love the fact that if you bring it up, it's like, oh, typical, you'd bring up Hunter. What about a father's love for his son? Oh, 
God, I'm so sick of all of that crap. Any responsible dad in the world would make sure his kid wasn't hooked on coke and crack and most definitely was not doing it in the White House. Oh, let's take a quick break so I can calm down and get some coffee. Do you like hot wings? Well, if you don't, what the heck is wrong with you? I thought everybody liked them. Well, I am obsessed with them, my friends. And the most incredible hot wings in the state of Wyoming come from the Wing It food truck. There's a couple of ways that you can figure out where that truck is going to be. You can go to their Facebook page, the Wing It food truck, or you can go to cowboystatepolitics.com and look underneath the sponsors tab, and you'll find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. Morton Buildings is one of the leading metal building companies in America. They manufacture a lot of their own materials, and they've been doing this longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter if you need a garage or a barn or maybe a roping arena so you can do all of that rodeo stuff when it's 23 below zero, or perhaps a giant warehouse for your business. You should give my friends Nick and Jesse a call at 307-674-2532. Just tell them what you're thinking, and they'll handle all the details. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, the conclusion to our program. So Donald Trump says that the security tapes in the White House would clearly show who brought the coke in. I mean, does anybody does anybody believe that there's a single inch of that White House that isn't under video surveillance and around the Oval Office, you know, the West Wing where all that stuff was found? Uh Uh-huh. According to Donald Trump. Every inch of that place is on video, and it would be really, really easy to figure out who brought it in. But of course, they don't want to find out because they already know who brought it in. From Breitbart this morning, and I quote, Former President Donald Trump said the security tapes would quickly reveal who smuggled cocaine into President Joe Biden's White House after the drug was reportedly found in the West Wing. And remember, what's in the West Wing? Over the weekend, a substance was found inside that tested positive for coke. The Secret Service spokesman, Stephen Kopech, confirmed an ongoing investigation into the matter, but did not confirm whether the substance contained cocaine. In response, Trump predicted the fake news media will downplay the the substance's findings. Quote, does anybody really believe that the cocaine found in the West Wing of the White House, very close to the Oval Office, is for the use of anyone other than Hunter and Joe Biden, Trump posted on Truth Social. But watch, the fake news media will soon start saying that the amount found was very, very small, and it wasn't really cocaine, but rather common ground-up aspirin, and the story will vanish. The former president joked that special counsel Jack Smith looked like a crackhead. (laughs) Quote, has deranged Jack Smith, the crazy Trump-hating special prosecutor, been seen in the area of the cocaine, Trump asked? He looks like a crackhead to me. Trump then highlighted the thousands of boxes of documents that were found in President Joe Biden's possession in various locations. Quote, whatever happened to the 1,850 boxes of documents that Biden won't show to anybody, Trump asked. What about the documents found in Chinatown, D.C. and those in the unsecured garage where Hunter stayed as China was sending Biden millions and millions of dollars for doing absolutely uh, nothing? Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe the nothing was for doing plenty. Where are the White House security tapes, like the ones I openly and happily gave to deranged Jack Smith, which will quickly show where the cocaine in the White House came from, Trump added. They already know the answer. They just don't like it. 
So on Wednesday, Corrine Jean-Pierre refused to say whether the White House supports prosecuting the unknown cocaine smuggler. If the Secret Service determines who brought the cocaine into the White House, does the White House support the prosecution of the individual? And of course, Corrine Jean-Pierre just played it off. So another point on this is that the White House is the most secure building in the entire world. There is not another building on the face of planet Earth that is more secure than the White House. So if you could get Coke in the front door, what else could you get in the front door? I mean, could you get a pistol through the front door? Um, I mean, Coke, drugs, I mean, come on. What I mean, what else would be prevented? I mean, come on, this this whole thing is so unbelievable that I mean, you can't hardly read any of it with a straight face. And the fact that it's occurring in our house. I mean, think about that, my friends. That's where the president of the United States lives. It's the one of the big symbols of our country. Every other foreign newscast that you watch when they're talking about America, there's almost always a picture of the White House there. And now it may as well be a picture of the White House with a mirror. Moving on, let's get to the cow pie. Or excuse me, not the cow pie. Uh, let's go to the Pravda on the Platte. Something a little bit funny. From, uh, from the article entitled, Act Soon or Taxes Will Increase in the Future. Now, this is on the front page of the opinion section of the Pravda on the Platte right now. And it's written by this, this guy named Kale Lenhart. Now, Kale Lenhart used to be the Laramie County GOP chairman. Now, that doesn't mean that he's a Republican. I mean, there are conservatives that are that are part of the Laramie County GOP, but the leadership really never was. Oh, and he's also an attorney, which obviously makes him an authority on taxes. From his op-ed, quote, Despite how it may seem, property tax rates have not gone up. In, instead, the increase in property tax bills has primarily come from an increase in property values. He's actually right about that. As anyone looking to buy or sell a house will tell you, home prices have increased substantially over the past few years because our property taxes are based on the property's assessed value. As property values go up, so do the amount of taxes owed. So those, But those raising the issue of property tax increases have a point. Well, of course they do. And the reason they have a point is that our, our method of taxing people on property has been broken. Like when... When that whole system was set up, nobody envisioned that the property values would go to the places that they have. Everybody assumed that all of that would be constrained to Teton County, which up until now, it really has been, well, the last couple of years anyway. But the formula by which your taxes are figured is broken because you're being taxed out of your home. I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, right now, you don't own your home. I mean, yeah, you have the deed to it and everything, but really it's mortgage to the government. And every year you've got to pay them a giant sum of money or you don't get to keep it. They take it away from you. And every year that amount of money increases. Now, where I don't know, I don't know of a single, well, I do know of a couple people that don't want to pay any taxes, period. But there's not that many of those types of folks. I think that everybody understands that we have to pay a little in taxes just to keep the state and our towns and our counties running. But the rates at which we're being taxed, pretty much there aren't going to be any homeowners left. Obviously, that's a little hyperbole. Back to his op-ed. Fortunately, the legislature passed an increase in property tax rebates for eligible individuals in 2022 that can help some of those most affected by property tax increases. Okay, the truth of the matter is the state of Wyoming collected about $400 million more in property taxes than they actually did last year. $400 million more. And the fact that they set up a refund program simply tells you that they don't need your money because they already have what they need. That's why they can give it back to you. And if you have to have a refund program, it means that you're taxing people too much. Now, as to this whole assertion that everybody can access this thing, um, I helped a couple people work through the, the hoops to get their property tax refund, and it's not simple. Okay, everything you need is not listed on that application. Now, of course, we're way past the deadline now. But first of all, the program that they set up 
isn't simple. Second, not everything that they're going to require is listed on the application. It doesn't say anything about having to provide uh, W-2 forms and, and 1099s and everything like that, like the two folks I helped uh, take advantage of the program. So it was intentionally set up to be difficult and complicated. That's the bottom line. I mean, the government really never wants to give you any of your money back. So the assertion that because legislators added more money to it, that this helps the problem is, is specious at best. The truth is politicians want to spend as much money as humanly possible. Quote, while we have grown accustomed to these booms and busts, the trend line shows that booms have become smaller and busts steeper. The time is coming that taxes from the from the extraction industry can no longer support Wyoming state government. Okay, so I already mentioned to you that 400 million of their the Wyoming's windfall came from property taxes. The rest of it came from an increase in natural gas prices and coal prices. So, I mean, I don't know why this guy Lenhart is saying that we're in you know that the the boom is not that great. I mean, the state of Wyoming had an excess of $1.4 billion to spend, which, by the way, they, they spent every single dime of it. Here's how he concludes the article. Um, let's see here. Uh, it's worth looking into making smaller changes so we can add to new revenues, whether that be in capital gains taxes above certain thresholds, developing and taxing industries akin to what Nevada did with gambling, or finding ways to capitalize on other industries based on our natural strengths. Begin now, and maybe we can avoid creating new reasons to complain about our taxes going up. Okay, so that's the first clue that this Lenhart guy um, isn't isn't in favor of reducing your property taxes. He's in the club of those who clandestinely want to create a state income tax. Now, I'm not I'm not creating some sort of big boogeyman. I mean, this was the whole thinking behind and it, you should go back and listen to an episode entitled Their Reform is Not Reform. It's about this panel they set up called Tax Reform 2000. And the whole intent of it, I mean, they said it was to study our our tax structure, but the conclusion that these folks came to is that our tax structure is not fair and that it doesn't provide enough revenue and so that we should change it. And they stopped short of saying what they wanted to create in the state was a state income tax. When any of these people say new revenues, that's what they're talking about. Anytime you hear the school saying, well, we don't, we're not, we're not funded equitably and we have to have more money. Really, what they're driving at is trying to create a situation in which we can't escape creating a state income tax, because that's what all of these people want. They want a steady source of income so they, they know that they can continue to spend and spend and spend some more. So they, the way that they develop budgets, and this is fascinating, too. The way that they develop budgets is they don't say this is how much we need and then see if there's a way to fund it. They wait and see until until they find out how much money is coming in and then they write their budget to, to the amount of money that's coming in. That's about, about how every county in the state works it and how the state works it itself. They don't just say this is the money we need to operate. They say, oh, look at how much money we have to spend. And then they write their budget. Case in point, Johnson County last year. There was $1.4 million that, uh, in extra revenue that they were going to see over the, uh, over the previous year. So they didn't just sock that away or give it back or not spend it. Nope. They wrote it into the budget so that they, they could spend that extra $1.4 million. It's not that they needed it. It's that they had the money and they wanted to spend it. My friends, the solution to all of these things is pretty clear. We have to elect more conservatives. I mean, you, you have to elect people that are going to be honest with their constituents and work for their benefit, not these folks who are elitists and think that they know best. If you want any, any, any evidence of that, go to the episode I just published. It's called Johnson County Property Tax Forum. Just listen to the first couple minutes. You'll hear Representative Barry Crago being a, being a real nasty elitist to one of his constituents who was just asking a question. But that's how these people think. You know, they, they don't want to talk to us common folk. You know, we don't, we're too stupid to know how to run the state. You know, leave it, leave it to them. They're the smart ones. Well, look at the situation that the smart ones have gotten us into. I mean, they're elitists. They're, uh, they don't want to deal with the common people. And in fact, what they want to tell everybody is just shut up and sit down, peasant. We don't want to hear from you anymore. 
Well, until we get rid of people that have that attitude, things are not going to change. They're going to continue spending us into oblivion. They're going to continue pushing for a state income tax, and they're not going to fix any of the things that we think are tremendously wrong in our state. I mean, all of this gender stuff and this craziness that we talked about today, um, it does affect Wyoming, and it is happening here. But these jokers down in Cheyenne, uh, they kind of believe in part of it, which is why they don't want to make any changes. Well, that'll about do it for today's installment of Cowboy State Politics. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. Uh, that's when I publish new episodes of the program. Coming up pretty soon, I'm going to have an interview with State uh, uh, State Auditor Christy Racina. She's a pretty interesting person to talk to, and there's some things about the auditor's office that you don't know about. And she's going to talk about all of it. Um, and she's super proud of her Open the Books site, where Wyoming's checkbook is all online, and all of us can go see how much money our politicians are spending. So that's coming up. Um, I've got a lot of really good interviews that are that are going to be happening here in the near future. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm Peter Rogers.